Are you ready for some high adventure? Coming up next on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Dale, uh, how are you this evening? It truly is a splendid... Uh, Cut it out, freak. Where's my money? <laughs> well, I have it right here, my good sir. Uh, please, follow me. Why the hell are you so happy? You finally get a real job? Where the hell do you work anyways? Cleaning the jizz out of the peep show booths? <laughs> I guess that you could say I found a job. It's the best one I've ever had, because I can save them now, and if I save them all, maybe I can save myself. Whatever the fuck that means... Okay, where's my money? I've got what you need right here. There you go. That's exactly what you needed. I bet you feel much better now. Not so angry like you've been. Well, listen, Dale. I'm sorry we haven't always gotten along in the past. But I'm moving on. Don't worry about me anymore. (laughs) My name's Ulysses. Pleased to make your acquaintance. I own Pan's Hollow. It's quite the refined and rustic den of pleasure. I've seen and served all kinds of people, and I guess other things too. They come into the bar looking to drown their sorrows, looking to lean on liquid courage to forgive themselves. Mostly for things that weren't even in their control to begin with. We aren't exactly booming, but spirits and draft pay the bills. Not that I'm destitute, mind you. I'm rich in friends and story. 
I'm wise beyond my years, especially those perceived. Though, a lot of things I know aren't in any book, nor should they be. Another round, Frank. Like you even have to ask. I eagerly slid the glass forward. Maybe a little too zealously. I never wanted to need it like my old man. I'm still convinced I don't. But it sure helps with things. Like a case that's making your head spin. But, you know, new. All about what it took to make my head spin, didn't ya? But I'm getting ahead of myself again. There I sat at Pan's Hollow, mulling over that new case that wasn't tying up as neat as my whiskey. Thanks, Ulysses. What would I do without you? In truth, Frank, you'd probably live longer. I raised my glass to my lanky, finely bearded savior. Pan's was a better bar than most. Never felt suffocated by cigar smoke and euphoria clung to the air instead of smoggy clouds and nicotine. The architecture was oddly perfect for carrying the tune of a live band. Some kind of whisper chamber. Surprising as all hell a place like this existed at all. Let alone in this city. Might be the nicest thing here. Fine wood and bronze twisted into elegant filigree. A diamond in the rough. Looks like something's got you down, Frank. Lady problems? Work? Even better. Both. The only problem with the lady is I can't get her off my mind. The issue with work is, somehow more perplexing than any dame I've ever met. Well, are you going to talk about it? Or are you just going to whisper it sweetly into your whiskey? Which I've noticed you've been nursing, by the way. Aren't you usually telling me to pace myself? Sheesh. I typically kept it all in, but something about Ulysses always makes me concede a little more than I'm willing. I guess most would call that a friend. Not many of those in my life. So I let loose some details. I expected more of a shift in his demeanor when the details got gruesome. He wasn't phased, not by the lack of blood in the victim's skin suit, and not by the precision. You would think that would make you shudder and double-check the locks at night before turning in. Makes you wonder if he was always tending a bar. But really, that's it. That's all I have to go on. Ulysses stood still. At first I thought him still on move, but... Turns out the corner of his mouth drooped. Like he just remembered he left a case of booze in the back alley. What's wrong? You ever feel like your past creeps in at the most inopportune times? What do you mean by that? I hope it's something that you don't have to experience, my friend. Okay, what's shaking you? Are you the one with girl problems? Something like that. For the first time in hours, it seemed like he was done talking. I opened my mouth to speak, but he wasn't behind the bar anymore. The back office door shut swiftly. I didn't know what he was going through at the time, but I wish I had pressed him harder then. Maybe a lot of trouble could have been avoided. But, you can't change the past. Okay, Ulysses, I'm heading out. I shouted at the unflinching door, posing as a gateway to my friend's distress. There was no stirring in the room or the brass knob. So I pulled my coat off the back of the seat and fished out some cash with a little extra for Ulysses playing counsel and friend. Most of the bar gathered around the tiny television over some news broadcast, but I was too tired to join the swarm of inebriated. 
I wasn't eager to head back into the cold, but I needed my rest. Another body was found downtown today, only a few miles from where an elderly resident was discovered slain earlier this week. Is there a crime wave hitting the city? Is this the work of a single serial murderer? More details to follow. I knew I needed to get a hold of Joe to see if anything had changed in a couple days' time. Days without a lead and a single question answered. I hope to God Joe had something for me. Detective Sutton? Hey Joe, it's Frank. If I would have known it was gonna be you, I wouldn't have let you interrupt my nap. <laughs> so what's up, Frank? You got any new leads? I would really love for you to break my case for me. None too lucky, I'm afraid. I was hoping you had something for me and just forgot to call. How could I forget about you, sweet bee? You're always on my mind. <laughs> That's real darling of you, Joe. Well, if you ain't got nothing, then I guess I ought to start turning over some stones. Alright, Frank. Be careful. Let me know if you need anything. Yeah. I figured if Joe didn't know anything, I would have to start putting my boots to the ground. This was going to be a long night. I figured I'd better grab some coffee. So I headed down to Cabaldi's Diner. The food was edible at best, but the coffee was hot and the banana cream pie. Well, that would send your taste buds to heaven. I didn't have time for the pie tonight, but it did not stop me from dreaming about it. filled with the smell of burnt toast singeing the nostrils and glazed over by fried eggs and pastries. As I walked in, a couple heads stirred but didn't even make the complete trip up to meet my eyes. Cook in the back waved at me. Hey Frank, I'll be right there, buddy. I nodded at him. Ashamed to say I didn't even know his name. He never wore a name tag. Figured he probably owned the place. Though I don't know why you'd put yourself on the night shift. The irony wasn't lost on me. I did enjoy the quiet of the night myself. Less warm bodies marking up your path. No lines for coffee. No traffic. Though darkness in the city wasn't as safe as it was quiet. Muggings were pretty commonplace. And you can't forget the occasional gang violence. I would say, however, for a big city, the murder rate was pretty low. I guess that's something to be proud of. Alright, Bell, Coffee and pie? Just the coffee. Oh, you're watching your figure? He drew a sly grin on his face. As much as I wanted some pie, I hadn't eaten a proper meal in days. So I ordered a couple eggs and wheat toast. Coming right up. He wasn't joking either. My meal was ready in a flash. I stuck my two yolky eggs in between my over-toasted bread, same way I've been doing since I was a kid. You hear there's another murder? That makes two in just a few days. Well, it's actually three. I was at a crime scene yesterday. You a cop or something? Just a private investigator. Looking in on something. 
He nodded and took my plates back to the kitchen. I set ten on the counter and made my way out. As I was leaving, I wondered if any of these cases were connected, being so close together in a town where murder didn't really happen much, especially in the fall. Most crime was at its highest in the summer, but still never three murders in a matter of days. I decided to head to a seedier part of the city, where some years may have been closer to the ground than a detective's would. I guess you could call him my informant, but he's more accurately a resident of the street. One that typically stayed out of trouble, but he knew a lot about where to get into it. Oh, wouldn't you know it. The kid I just claimed wasn't a troublemaker seemed to find himself in the thick of it. Four young punks in dirty leather jackets surrounded my street urchin. Hey guys, what say we break up this party so I can talk to my friend here? You guys look like you're having a lot of fun and I hate to bring you down, but I got business. You know what, Pops? How about you come back later? And if there's anything left of them, you can have them then. Obviously not the answer I was looking for. I already knew the second I stepped out of the car, this is only going to go one way. It wasn't just because I needed to press the kid for information. It was also the fact that a four-on-one fight, well, that's not very fair. The more outspoken one of the group was about six feet tall. He had slicked back, overgrown, and unkempt hair, and rail thin, too. All of them looked like scarecrows coming down off of something making them jittery. Didn't look like they had any goal in mind other than to start some trouble. Well, they found it. Hey, Gramps, I said get the fuck out of here. Are you deaf or just stupid? <laughs> the formation they had circled around the kid, now slumped and somewhat banged up. It started to encircle me instead. Fourth one that kept his mouth quiet also carried a stubby lead pipe. The other two unarmed, and the one with the fat mouth had a baseball bat that looked like it had seen better days. Alright guys, whatever you had tonight, I think you've had enough. Now go on, get home. The city ain't safe at night. I'll show you not safe, old man. Quicker than I thought it would be, the tip of his back glanced off my shoulder followed up by a punch straight to the gut from one of the guys in the front of me. <clears throat> the one with the lead pipe came in for a swing but missed. <laughs> the only one who didn't make a move yet threw a fist at my face. I threw an elbow up in time for him to bust his knuckles directly on my bone. I threw a jab at him, but then the lead pipe came from beside me, <clears throat> hitting square in my jaw. I fell to my knees. Just as I started to see stars, I shook him off. As the lead pipe started to come down again, I grabbed the wrist of my assailant sliding my arm and then my shoulder underneath his elbow. What was one became two, as I snapped his limb at the fold. Luckily it horrified his friend who carted him out of the alley swiftly. Come on man, let's go! Two down, two to go. My eyes went to the pipe, but so did the bat. Damn it! That was my good hand. 
The bat came down again, and I braced for impact. Two quick blows to my forearm. I thought I would have been ready for the third, but turns out I forgot about the asshole I jabbed earlier. He grabbed my arms and pinned them to my chest, holding me from behind. <coughs> the bat was cocked back and swung like it was the World Series and the bases were loaded. Turns out it was a foul ball. I spun my captor around and allowed him to take the full brunt of the club for me. The bat cleanly snapped off of his head and he was out cold. His wiry reach unraveled itself from my body. I grabbed the thick broken end of the bat off the ground. As pissed as he was for knocking out his own man, he pulled out a switchblade. He lunged forward, arm straight. I brought up the sharp splinter bat and put it just under his jaw. I was just as shocked as he was when the splinters dug deep. He stumbled back, holding his throat and fell sliding down an alley wall. I figured I'd better get out of there, so I grabbed the kid by the arm. But to be honest, I'm not sure who was carrying who. We stopped to look at the once boisterous delinquent on our way out. We both understood non-verbally that he made his own bed. But that didn't stop me from making an anonymous call from a concerned citizen at the booth by where I parked. I'm sorry about that. I know it's not your fault, kid. But I tell you, I'm not getting any younger, so let's keep that kind of action to a minimum. I told the kid I had some questions that he might be able to answer. It wasn't necessary, but I still made the bribe of leftover meatloaf and whiskey back at my place. He agreed, looking forward to resting on my worn-in couch with a full belly. But little did I know, he would have just the clue I was looking for. Thanks for stopping by, stranger. Hope you enjoyed yourself. If you're looking for more Neon Shadows, you can visit the Neon Shadows Speakeasy on Facebook or Neon Shadows Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Or look us up as Neon Shadows on YouTube, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next time, stranger. And remember, keep to the Neon Shadows. Neon Shadows is written by Ian Knowles and voiced by Dan Faulkner, Amber Tubman, Sean Goodrich, Marcellus Clay, Tyler Brown, Logan Lenkowski, and Ian Knowles. Copyright 2020, reuse or reproduction of our content is strictly prohibited. So, do you like comedy? If you do, then Friday Follies might be just the feed for you. From the Mutual Audio Network, every Friday we bring you a selection of hilarious audio drama. And you can find it wherever you find your podcasts. Just search for Friday Follies, or you could subscribe to the main Mutual Audio Network feed. It's up to you. Find us there. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.